This Week in HPC. NVIDIA unleashes Pascal at GTC. And Google buys into open power. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. This Week in HPC is distributed in partnership with our friends at Top500.org. Michael, what a week this week in HPC. Man, this was a busy one. This is uh, one of the biggest news weeks that wasn't associated with a, a big event like supercomputing or ISC since, uh, well, since I can remember, actually. this is Well, uh, it had a big event. GTC has gotten to be a huge event. The GPU right. Technology Conference is now well over 5,000 people in attendance, and that was only one of several events going on. Right. And and actually, I mean, we, we we're talking about HPC here, but actually this event, GTC and then the Open Power Summit alongside it, a lot of the news is going to have a huge impact on HPC, obviously, but the real focus of a lot of this technology is now deep learning and the hyperscale data center. Yeah, and we're going to dive into all of that, but just recapping all the conferences that were going on, uh, aside from the GPU and Technology Conference, which co-hosted there, is also the Open Power Summit. Those just in themselves, I think, would make a big week, but then we also had the HPC on Wall Street Conference. There's also BioIT World, and there's there was a lug meeting that was in Portland. Aside from that, I also had a meeting with the U.S. Council on Competitiveness. So it was it was a pretty busy week. I was jumping around trying to cover as much as we could. Though it was all hands on deck. Yeah, wow. You you had a lot of travel. I guess if it's Wednesday, it must be Washington. That that kind of week. <laughs> that is exactly the kind of week I had. And we'll have to come back to some of these things next week. In particular, uh, there was a lot of news that HPE tied to all of these different events. It was kind of the bright spot in an otherwise uh, below average HPC on Wall Street conference. But HP had some really nice announcements around financial solutions. Uh, HP had some great server announcements around uh, GTC, and including their Apollo line and a deep learning toolkit. And they had announcements around LUG and Intel Enterprise Edition there. But uh, there was so much that was just at GTC itself and open power that uh, we'll ask our listeners to come back again next week in HPC. We'll go into a little more detail on those. But at GTC itself, the big news that we have to talk about is the release of the Tesla P100, which is the first Pascal GPU. Right. This is the much-anticipated Pascal GPU. They, you know, you've noticed when we've talked about uh, NVIDIA GPUs in the past, they almost skipped over the Maxwell uh, GPU as far as the Tesla line went. They got a few of them in towards the end, but they put a lot of their effort and development into this Pascal GPU for the performance end of the market and, and even the deep learning end of the market, which, which is the focus of this one. And they've come out with this, and it's a monster chip. It's the, uh, the most performance chip out there. We're going to maybe compare it a little bit to what we anticipate for Knight's Landing and the, and the AMD chip just announced. But it's a, a huge uh, 15.3 billion transistor chip. That's because it's, it's basically on a, on a wafer. That's, that's, that's uh, a lot. That's 15 it's, billion it's, transistors. It, it's part of a, a configuration where it's on top of stacked memory, the HBM2 stacked memory uh, 
uh, configuration that they're now using. So it's, it's this huge thing. Uh, it tops out at 5.3 teraflops double precision performance, which uh, tops anything out there that I know of, and certainly at the commodity level is going to be the most performant chip we think on the market uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and they've said right off the bat that they're targeting applications that will benefit from having fewer, more powerful nodes as opposed to scaling out farther. So they're obviously right. looking at HPC. They're obviously looking at deep learning. And and th they want this different kind of computing structure with fewer, more powerful nodes. It, it, it includes NVLink. It includes the stacked memory that you're talking about. And I think very interestingly, it did not focus exclusively on that double precision performance, but going right up the line, doubling at every point. They've got so the 5.3 teraflops of double precision, but double that 10.6 teraflops at single precision, and double that again, the 21 teraflops of the 16-bit floating point half precision. Right, and that's the one that's used a lot in the deep learning applications. And in fact, they're positioning this this chip, although it can be used across. HPC and, and other types of performance applications, they're they're targeted for advanced hyperscale data center and deep learning applications. And with that 21 teraflops at uh, at that application set, this this is really a big boost over anything else uh, on the market, including the the chips they relatively recently introduced in the the M line uh, last year in 2015. Now, in any of these ch chips, Jensen, in his talk, talks about he wants his team going for miracles, but he wants the max three miracles per chip. Otherwise, you're, you're counting on too much. But he boasted that they had five miracles in this chip, running them down quickly. The First, the architecture itself, the Pascal architecture, which was their first that included the 16-bit the half-precision floating point in, embedded to target deep learning. Second, the they, they went to a 16 nanometer process, which is what enabled them to get to 15 billion transistors. That's probably the, maybe the most significant out of all of these. Third, the advances of NVLink. Fourth, the stacked memory, which is an HBM2 from Samsung. We'll talk about that again in a second. And then fifth, new algorithms in, in deep learning and artificial intelligence uh, because of some of these other advancements. Now, I don't know how miraculous these all are and whether we're going to be <laughs> canon Organizing Jensen here, Saint Jensen of Nvidia, but but it is an impressive uh, stack of achievements that all went in here. Do you want to talk about that 16 nanometer for a second? Yeah, I mean that one is, uh, like you said, is sort of the closest to being. Uh, "Quote unquote a miracle in that it's a huge jump. They they were using 28 nanometer for their previous set of chips, and they jumped. They sort of skipped a generation, went all the way to 16 nanometers in a sense. Uh, the FinFET, the 3D transistor type of uh, technology they they're using now in the in the the latest technology nodes. So that enabled them to get all this performance on the chip and on the the whole structure that it goes with with the the memory. Um, it's Built by Taiwan Semiconductor, and they—I think this is, uh, if not the first, and one of the first chips they're using uh, for production for this uh, process technology node, and it puts them really close to what Intel is doing with the 14 nanometer. Um, 
process technology that it's going to use for its night's landing and its uh, latest Xeons. Claiming now that this is the largest chip ever built at 15 billion transistors. So, yeah. you know, that's that's an impressive movement there. And I want to talk about the stacked memory, this HBM2. Uh, this is from Samsung. We were just talking about high bandwidth memory, HBM, last week when we were talking about the AMD FirePro GPU that came out. Now, that was also HBM, but that was the HBM1 right. uh, coming from Hynix, which is the other major HBM uh, producer. So, NVIDIA is claiming first to market with the HBM2, and, and that that memory bandwidth is really, I think, what drives a lot of the performance characteristics of this chip. Right. They're promising up to 720 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth from the processor to this HBM memory. And they're, they're offering uh, 16 gigabytes of memory that's, that's stacked now with, with this Pascal chip. So it's quite a bit of memory and quite a bit of bandwidth. I mean, certainly beats uh, anything out there in the, in the, in the CPU world, although they, with, um, with nice landing, they, they've done something similar. They've put on package, uh, 3D memory of a different type, and they're getting uh, a little more than half of that bandwidth uh, in that configuration. At least what they've released publicly in uh, in, the, in the press as, as far as what they're doing there. But this is uh, something that looks like it's going to beat even that and uh, come really close to the one terabyte per second that AMD just announced for their uh, their single precision GPU uh, uh, for the the 9300 series. Right. And we talked about that chip last week. That did have a higher single precision peak, that right. AMD Fire Pro chip. That was, what, 15 teraflops, a single it, it precision? Was, it was over 13, so it was just barely over this 10, but it was... it was. Uh, so, if you had an application that's exclusively single precision... And somewhat right, less memory, because they've used... And eight, somewhat less memory. gigabytes then, of uh, 3D memory, right. But, but NVIDIA is put together here with Tesla, I think the stronger all-around chip. Then with regards to the new uh, algorithms, it, it's worth mentioning that almost lost in all these announcements is what they're calling a new unified NVIDIA SDK that's full of all kinds of modules for programming different things on this Tesla uh, P100. They've got modules for autonomous driving and virtual reality, uh, right. uh, hyperscale inference engines for things like going after really high image per second per watt kinds of applications. So all of that's embedded in there now, right? And part of that is the the CUDA uh, deep or deep learning library, that what they're calling the deep neural network library. It's a fifth generation library in there. They've upgraded the the CUDA. Uh, portion of that, and they've got some other pieces in there, but a lot of it is oriented towards the the deep learning applications, that, and they've done a lot of work in that area, and that's why they're talking about the the new algorithms for for the getting the best performance out of this uh, out of this chip. We've been talking about the Tesla P100 here. We haven't even gotten to the platform yet. There's also a DGX1 platform that goes along with this. The DGX1 is a server platform that's uh, eight Tesla 
P100s plus a quad EDR 100 gigabit InfiniBand with dual socket CPUs uh, that they're saying is going to get equivalent results to 250 nodes or 500 CPUs of Haswell on deep learning algorithms. Right, and this is something NVIDIA is offering. So they're offering this box themselves, not just the chip here. So they're offering sort of a preview of, of what a server might look like. In fact, they're, they're selling this thing, and they're going to sell them to the uh, basically deep learning uh, hyperscale organizations. They're going to get the first crack at this. And at, at some point, this, the major server vendors are going to get these uh, P100 GPUs, but that's going to be down the line. So for the time being, the only ones, the only way you can get basically a box full of uh, P100s is going to be through NVIDIA itself with this DGX1. DGX1. Well, through NVIDIA or, or their NVIDIA partner network, but that's going to be largely the ODM kind of partners, not OEM kind of partners. Right. So it's, it's, it is this fascinating dynamic now where it really, the as, as they're taking orders now for volume in June, July for this DGX1, that's going to take up the first six to nine months of big volume on the Tesla P100 before we get to the first quarter of 2017, which is when we're likely to start seeing server configurations from the major OEMs like uh, like an HP or a, or a Lenovo or a Dell that are, that are based on these Tesla P100s. Right. And you figure that's where most of the HPC uh, user base is going to be getting their P100 infrastructure from. They're going to wait for the OEMs to get a hold of these chips. So, in, in a sense, the, the deep learning user base is actually going to get a preview of the technology this time. The supercomputing uh, users are going to come in second, uh, which is a little bit of a switch for what we've seen in the past for the leading edge technology. It's it's now going to go to the, the deep learning folks. Yeah, and we've talked in, on this podcast about the influence back and forth between right. HPC and hyperscale, and, and here is one, right, that, that you get that this other market, hyperscale now, is going to be the market that's sucking up the early six months of, of volume on something. And then I think you can also see it in how the chip was configured. Uh, there's the clear influence in deep learning with things like half precision getting built into the chip. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then to have this density in this box that they're building, it's 170 teraflops in this one uh, basically server box, uh, something that uh, obviously the hyperscale users are very interested in, but it will also be uh, a, a big selling point for uh, HPC users. Again, they're probably not going to get a hold of these things because they're, they're, in, the, they're in line behind the, uh, the deep learning folks. So clearly a huge announcement from NVIDIA coming out of GTC, which is going to go across the entire HPC and hyperscale space with the Tesla P100. But that wasn't even the whole conference, because then another part of the GTC conference is that you have the Open Power Summit going on within the within the, the confines of the same conference. And you know NVIDIA is a major uh, proponent of, of Open Power. They're a major contributor to Open Power. Obviously, you see IBM in there. But we were talking two weeks ago from the HPC Advisory Council that we had a sense from those presentations then that there might be big announcements coming up uh, from the Open Power Summit. And I got to say, we weren't disappointed. The biggest news coming out of it is uh, Google essentially uh, defining a server that they're going to be able to go to the market with through Rackspace and Open Compute Project that I think is going to be putting an awful lot of heat on Intel in terms of Google 
Google's potential commitment to open power. Right. This was a huge announcement for, for open power. I mean, Google just uh, recently became part of the Open Compute project um, with this in mind, certainly. And now they're, they're teaming up with, uh, with Rackspace to design this server that they think they can use for at least a portion of their applications in their hyperscale infrastructure. Now, they didn't go into any uh, detail on which applications they might be using the server for, but it's it's a good bet considering that uh, Google is is uh, very reliant on GPUs for a lot of their deep learning um, infrastructure. That they want Open Power, an Open Power server, as part of their GPU server infrastructure to to uh, use as as the substrate for their their deep learning application set. Well, to be clear, though, that Google was very clear that they said this is an option for their entire workload. As right. much as we're talking about the server, the hardware portion, it's really the announcements around the software that drove the whole thing. They've got their own custom Linux environment, like a lot of the hyperscalers do, and they've made uh, adjustments to their own in-house software, their own in-house operating environments to say they can move all or any or any of it or, or, or all of it over to open power as they like. And, you know, I think this hinges on a change open power made previously to pick up little Indian compatibility. I think that really drives the, the possibility for this kind of change. Right. I mean, Google did make this announcement. They basically put a switch in all their software and they've, they've tested this out and they think they can just flip this switch and put, put all their applications onto power. But I'm I'm a little skeptical of how far that's going to go. At least in any short or middle term, they, they most of their infrastructure is based on x86, and uh, any sort of like major switch to open power right. for a lot of their infrastructure is is going to be a huge change for them, switch or no switch. I mean, it's one thing to get the software working there, but to actually um, swap out uh, millions of uh, servers uh, that that's a that's a big effort and uh, it's, yeah no uh, I don't see them tearing out these other processors and replacing them and, and your your analysis is relevant with regards to what might go over there first I think you're right looking at those deep learning applications but you were just saying there hadn't been a specific announcements of which applications they specifically said they can do the whole lot if they want right, right? that was that was specific and saying it could be all of them. Um, but uh, but in this case, I, I think the real implication is that it, it's, I think this is def to defend their commitment to GPUs over anything else. You know, today, you can have an Intel-based server that over, uh, over PCIe plays very nicely with GPUs. They're using that for different kinds of deep learning. But if you start crystal balling this and, and saying, well, in the, in the future, Xeon Phi wrote Roadmap are GPUs as well supported. This provides a, a safety net for Google to say we're going to be committed to these GPU architectures, and if we can't get them on Intel, then we'll get them on Open Power, and we'll be just as happy. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think they're they're hedging their bets here, thinking that at some point the uh, the x86 GPU combo won't be workable anymore. But I, I think another part of this is sort of related to that. I think they're they're sort of playing. Intel here and saying, look, uh, we're not going to depend on you for all of our infrastructure. We have other needs, and if, if you're not going to sort of do what we want in, in certain areas, like in the GPU area, we're going to we have the option now to, to leave you uh, in, in a big way. And I, I think part of this is just sort of 
playing that space and 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 sort of getting the their their market needs met as best they can through this competition. Something we've always said about the processor space in HPC was that the end users were fickle, and if someone else developed uh, or uh, delivered more performance, that the end users didn't have a lot of motivation to stay. Now that's been driving Intel into this strategy to move up the value chain to vertically integrate and to incorporate really relevant features like like OmniPath and and their scalable system framework, integrated I/O. They they want to build an ecosystem around the Intel environment that's that's truly an Intel experience. Um, you know now maybe end users want that because it delivers benefits, but maybe others don't want to get locked in. So here's Google saying uh, we've got options. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, that's it, it is all about options here. But what we should say that wasn't the only big news at the Open Summit, um, the Open Power Summit. I mean, IBM had news of its own. Uh, there were a few other vendors that, that chimed in with uh, uh, power-based systems like Supermicro and, and a few others. Uh, right. There was a lot of activity at that summit this year. There was. And the thing that struck me the most just from visiting it is they had 59 different pieces of Open Power hardware from all different vendors that were out on display. So they really have driven that ecosystem to where you can buy just about any configuration you're looking for. I think that's really significant. Now, we're still waiting for some more of the news to develop around who is already deploying on Open Power. I think that's still the, the big missing piece of the equation that we'd like to start seeing more of. Right, there really weren't. Other than no, Coral, of course. Right, of Coral, but that that was in the past. They haven't, right? They haven't done any big announcements since then. I mean, the Google thing, as far as the deployment, that's not even going to happen for a while, since they they were mainly talking about the Power Nine servers, which which are not that chip isn't out yet. So that's sort of a future thing as well. So yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot. They need to get some more uh, more wins under their belt, but now they've laid a lot more groundwork there. Uh, they've got some more. Uh, OEMs in the past, and they've they've opened up the ecosystem a little bit. Also, they they did talk about the prop power roadmap a bit at the end there. They talked about, uh, for instance, the the power A chip. Right. Uh, there's going to be a variant that uh, has NV link ports in it, so it can link directly with this these P100 GPUs that. Uh, that NVIDIA just came out with. And then they're talking about Power 9. They, they gave a few more details. And they even uh, put the, a Power 10 uh, uh, roadmap up there for, I think, 2020. So they're they're building this out. They're trying to show the vendors and the user community that there is a, a path on power to do you know, what they want in, in their various markets. It's uh, a little bit more aggressive than they've they've done in the past. Oh, yeah. That roadmap is a huge announcement. You look, here's the power roadmap out to Power 10 in 2020. That's a great. Yep. In another week, we would have spent the whole podcast just talking about the, the power roadmap. It's just we had so much news crammed into this week. Here we are at the very end saying, oh, yeah, and by the way, here's the roadmap for power. Yeah. I mean, they didn't talk much about Power 10, but they at least gave a date, and they said, okay, it's going to be a new architecture, new technology, and all this stuff. And then they've got these intermediate steps to get there, the different Power 8s, Power 9s. Uh, they got very specific about them. The, the process nodes are going to put those on. So it, it gives uh, 
it gives the community a good sense of where IBM and the Open Power uh, Consortium is, is moving with this with this architecture, and, and you can see sort of the future in, involved there. Well, we had a little bit of a longer podcast this week, Michael, <laughs> and, and we did not run out of things that we were going to talk about. We can come back to things like Intel Enterprise Edition on Luster, how that affects some of the storage uh, uh, players in this space that are supporting that, HP's big flight of announcements. All, all of that is stuff that we can come back and catch in a future podcast, but I think we should <laughs> let our listeners go for now. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot to you on and like you said we'll circle back around and pick up some of the pieces uh, on, a, on next week and then on subsequent podcasts so yeah all right thanks a lot michael thanks to you for listening into a long podcast this week you've been listening to this week in hpc you've been listening to this week in hpc 